Lucky you. 36 you pistols and golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about Sandy. golf. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Kids would beat him up and he'd hold his own, but he... Uh, he became a loner, and so he he started playing golf because it was the way he thought he could teach himself how to speak, as if he had a uh, a gallery that he would speak to, and uh, that's how. Uh, and he and he said he picked a lonely game that he knew, and he started playing golf. My grandfather was uh, doing some uh, had he was working down in uh, on the docks, but spent time at Harding Park, and that's how my dad was able to get out at Harding Park and start playing. So he started with that and uh, taught himself how to speak. And he was a man of few words over the years as a younger man. It, there were times like at, uh, at the uh, masters when I think Cliff Roberts was upset because he, he didn't have a lot to say after he, you were talking about earlier, he, he led as an amateur for all three, three days in the 56 amateur and 56 masters and then shot 80 the last day and lost by a stroke. And he kind of got out of there without saying much. And Cliff Roberts, I think was somewhat insulted by him, not, spending more time in front of the press. And um, they played the Bing Crosby Pro-Am that, that year, the next month. And that's uh, when the match was set up. And then it was after that, that next month in April, when uh, uh, the, he played in uh, the 56 Masters. He actually played in the 54 Masters. He was stationed out of Fort Ord in uh, Monterey, California. And the last couple of weeks, he was in boot camp. And Bobby Jones wrote, wrote a letter to the U.S. Army general asking for permission for him to leave, which they gave him. And so he played in the 54 Masters. That was the first time he ever played. And then he came back to the boot camp and the, the staff sergeant said, you think you're a tough guy? He put him through boot camp again. <laughs> After the 56 Masters, uh, that was a turning point. And he felt that uh, he, he that really made him want to go out and compete and compete as a professional. So it was after that that he that he ended up becoming a professional. But that was the turning point. And was that about the time when it was becoming more lucrative to be a professional golfer? Because I know earlier than that, there was no money in it. Yeah, not much. I tell you, he, uh, in 1958, I think he was the number two money winner and he, he won $6,500 the whole year. So there right. wasn't much in it. Everybody but he made that transition from amateur to pro uh, and certainly made it look more attractive, I would guess, to people younger than him. Yeah, I think the athletes in those days, you know, they tend tend to hang together and 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 party together and play together. And um, you know, I didn't see much of them growing up. I mean, I I travel a little bit on on tour and, and come out and stay out here with uh, the Santangelos and the Draddies on you know on occasion. But you know, he wasn't home much, and so uh, that was his life. And and I think you know, practicing and 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 living it day in and day out. You know, that's that's the way these athletes were. I mean, you know, he, his pinnacle was the 64 U.S. Open when he when he won that at Congressional and then got Sportsman of the Year that year, too, which was great, you know, for him. But it was downhill after that because that's when his hands went bad. But, you know, the uh, the life of a pro was it was a hard life. They really didn't know what it was then, Bob. It was uh, they went to Mayo Clinic and uh, he always told the story about how his father, my grandfather, Fred, he worked at Harding Park and was kind of his, his, you know, guide over the years. And he never really said anything. My dad, you know, complimented him or just was always pretty tough on him. But he was driving him to the airport that day to take him to Mayo Clinic for his operation. And my dad said, 
to my grandfather. He goes, you know, dad, he goes, I don't know if I may never play again. Uh, you know, they're going to cut me open. I don't know, you know, if I may never play. And, and my grandfather said, it doesn't matter, son. And he said, well, what do you mean it doesn't matter? He says, you were the best I ever saw. And that was my dad's kind of vote of confidence. And I'll share an interesting story for the people that love the game. So Jay made the cut and he got paired with Johnny Miller the next day, who was a defending champ. I think he said he shot 78, which he said, by the way, wasn't that bad on that course, as you know, the massacre at Wingfoot. But I didn't play well. And he said, going back to my hotel, I realized that uh, two, I learned two important things. First thing was that Johnny Miller didn't care about me. You know, I cared about impressing Johnny Miller. He was a defending champ and all that stuff. And the second thing was more important is that he wasn't supposed to care about me. I need to care about me. So we'll fast forward to the next year at Medina in 75. Jay's playing very good. I think he's within the top 15 going to the third round. And he gets paired with Nichols. So one year later, he gets to uh, and Jack shot 75 and Jay shot 72. And so uh, very interesting how some people get it, whatever it is. But this kid at 19 years old figured this out. And one year later, you know, beat Jack Nicholas in the round that he played with them. And I think that's the interesting thing about good players is <clears throat> with all this information and track man and forces and ground forces and obliques and, you know, engaging the glutes and stuff. And we can measure all this stuff, but we couldn't measure how that kid figured out going down the Hutchison Parkway what he did wrong that day, right? No. So how do you- But they say that? you can explain it to him, but you can't comprehend it for him. Yeah, you can't share, you can't really share experiences. And so I look at, I'm swing theoried out per, personally, but I'm so interested in the people that play and why they're good, you know, because if the three of us five or six years ago went to Augusta, and we sat in the bleachers on the range. We didn't know who anybody was, okay? Now we've all been around golf our whole lives. We've seen it. And we had to figure out who the number one player in the world was. Not one of us would have said Jordan Spieth. Right. Not even close. In fact, he might not have been in the top 50 just watching his swing and everything. So, and as you alluded to, you know, Scotty Scheffler. And so the, kind of goes back to what Craig said about that. He thought he was one of them, <laughs> you know? But do you think Craig Wood made an impression on him? Oh, yeah. No, he, he always told us that Craig taught him how to swing and he, or he changed his swing and Hogan taught him how to play. Because when they played at Seminole back in the 40s, when Hogan would go down there for the, the month before the Masters. They, they played a game where you threw $10 in the hat if you missed a fairway or missed a green. So when you play that game with Ben Hogan, you better be pretty good. Wow. And $10 is a lot of money back in the 40s. And so the year that Dad won the Masters, he said he actually beat Hogan more than Hogan beat him that, in that stretch. So when he got to Augusta, <clears throat> he had a certain sense of confidence that he... he I mean, he always said Hogan made him feel like an amateur, not personally, just, you know, how good he was. But he said that that month before Augusta, he felt like he was, 
he was pretty good. But, you know, dad had already finished, got to the semifinals of the PGA in 45. Yep. And, and he got beat by Nelson in the middle of Nelson's 11 in a row. And so uh, that seemed to be something that kind of just uh, stuck with him, that I must be a reasonable player if I'm going toe-to-toe with Ben Hogan and occasionally beating him, you know. Dad beat Snead in 42 holes. And uh, that story is interesting because in the morning, Dad shot 64 and was six up. Back to, can you imagine a club pro playing Tiger in the world match play and, and having him six down after, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, and then Dad birdied the 19th hole in the afternoon to go seven up. And then uh, Snead played the next 17 holes and eight under. Uh, I think that year he beat three major champions to get to Snead. You know, I made it this far with the great Sam Snead. I'm going to stick to my game plan. So he went back and put the driver back at the one iron, one iron, nine iron, 20 feet. And he said, Sam played the most beautiful pitch shot you ever saw about three feet from the hole. And back then they played stymies. And by sheer luck, my dad missed his putt and it left Snead a stymie. He couldn't putt at the hole. So I said, what, what would you do in that instance? Uh, you know, just concede a half. He said, no, you got to make the great Sam Snead put it out sideways and then give it to him. Just to, <laughs> you got you to embarrass him a little bit. <clears throat> so they got to the 42nd hole. This is another, he must have felt like he was one of them stories. So they both had about 25 footers. Snead was getting ready to putt. And my dad says, I don't think you're away. Now, how many guys would do that? <laughs> club pros you know and Snead says well why do I have to believe you and he said well you don't let's get a referee so a referee came out and got a rope and uh measured it and dad was away by six inches and dad made it and uh Snead missed and when he congratulated my dad excuse my language but he said you hung my ass with that rope just when you think about it what an odd couple you know dad six kids pretty gregarious club pro, you know, uh, I think my dad revered Hogan, but I think his quirks made my dad laugh where they might've intimidated other people. Dad actually thought a lot of the stuff that Hogan did was so quirky. was just kind of humorous, you know, and, um, and you probably have heard the story about the dinner, the, the week of the open in 59, they, I think dad's sports psychologist was Johnny Dewars and maybe Hogan's <laughs> with Jack Daniels. And uh, uh, I was eight, you know, we were all there. The boys were there and uh, having dinner. And Hogan said to dad, he said, you, you could play well this week, but you won't. And he said, how come? He said, well, you're a jolly golfer. And he, my dad said, what the hell is a jolly golfer? He said, well, you're going to get out of the car and you're going to see Mr. Williams there. To, when you get out, you're going to ask how his daughter's doing at Princeton and how his son's doing and wherever he's going to school. And dad said, well, you're right. I had those people in my junior clinic. They're part of the fabric of the club and part of the fabric of my life. That's exactly what I'm going to do. He says, well, if they're your friends, they'll leave you alone. My dad said, well, <laughs> he didn't really, you know, what's he supposed to do? So. He said to Hogan, what am I supposed to do? You know, kind of jokingly. He says, keep your eyes on the ground. Because if you don't make eye contact with someone in a big crowd, they don't feel bad that you didn't say hi to them because they could see you didn't see them, you see. 
So dad decided to do that during the, the rounds. He didn't do it when he got out of the car and he was going to the range, but he thought, you know, that might be a good thing to do when the tournament starts. So he could have seen some people. So he did do that. And his luck would have it and life would have it. He got paired with Hogan the last round and he beat Hogan by six. So I said to dad one time, I said, you ever needle Mr. Hogan about that jolly golfer BS? He said, you know, Bill, if you're a golf pro, it would uh, behoove you not to needle Ben Hogan about golf. <laughs> he said, no, I, I did not needle him about Keep it. looking I, at I'm the ground. I'm very happy to beat him. <laughs> Never saw him get mad on a golf course. Never in my life did I see my father show any anger on a golf course. Your amigo, your ego is not your amigo in golf, you know? Um, the one I, the one hole I really remember, um, I, isn't 16 a par five? Yes. Okay, so I am really contending and I've hit two good shots at 16. I have a pitch, a long pitch to the green and i am thinking i need to make four here and i might get there and i hit a i don't remember hitting a great shot but i hit a reasonably good shot and i didn't make the putt and um i i think that i think not making four there cost me as much as anything um so well that that but that's the hole i really remember and i also remember having one of the best ball striking weeks ever. And I just did not make putts. I don't think that's I putted, what, I didn't make them. Neil Christie, who caddied for you, said the same thing, that you were hitting it square all day and just not, not getting the putts in the hole sometimes. He was a great caddy, he was. And um, I don't know that I've ever crossed paths with him since, but I still remember his name. And um, I remember what a almost great week we had. Well, you he can said, say hello to him because he'll be listening to this next week. Oh, good. In the days that I remember the U.S. Open was before the U.S. Open was a little more reasonable for women. And the U.S. Open took a turn to be much more reasonable for women when Judy Bell was the president of the USGA. Um, but prior to that, it was, I, I, and I think a lot of people would say this, um, it was a test uh, that also had an element of luck. Because if, if you can go way back and think about men or women's US Opens now, but if you go way back, there was the green, there was a little bit of fringe, and then the rough started being that high. Every, uh, I know this now that I'm older and wiser and don't play well. Um, but at the US Open, in all the years that I played, the way to miss the ball was short. Because if you miss the ball long or right or left, um, maybe it's because of skill, maybe it's a, because of golf clubs, but nobody was superior at playing these short shots from this deep stuff as they are, as many are superior now. So clubs and skill have changed at this point. Um, but, but when I look back, I think, you know, if you, and very often you were hitting a three wood at a green and you hit it pin high that, and but missed the green, that was not good. In fact, you would really hope for a bunker. Yeah. Because, because I really, I don't, I can't think of a player 
a long time ago that was great out of that really long rough. And if there were one, I might, I might tag Joanne Corner because she had a little more nerve to lay the blade open and, you know, whatever. Um, but basically, you, you really hope the ball would go in a bunker. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a different game today. It's a different game today. And they really do more invite you to get the ball to hole high and to um, take the chance of going over the green and so on. And I think that has made, um, that, that's made golfers so much better uh, than, than all those years ago. And, yeah. and I'm pretty sure of that because I started playing in USGA tournaments when I was, I don't know, a young teenager. Um, actually before then, because I was 11 years old and played in the National Junior Girls when Joanne Corner won. Uh, she beat Clifford Ann Creed uh, in a playoff. And I will tell you how good Joanne Corner was. My dad and I had stayed and watched that last match. Obviously, I was out early. Um, Clifford Ann Creed never made a bogey and wow. lost five and four. Wow. Wow. So, and I saw that. Well, you were 14 when you won the Missouri Amateur, I think. Was it, were you 14 yes. years old? Yes. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was to most of us, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my dad sent me, and I stayed with a family, and nobody dreamed I would do that well, but there you go. Did you dream it? Or did you have fear or uh, anxiety about it, or did you just go out there and play golf? I, I you know, I, I really don't know. I, um, I always played golf kind of serious. Uh, that came from my father. My, you know, my maiden name is Torlumpke. So I'm, I'm a little bit German and my father was really a little bit German. So it was, everything was, well, and my life was more serious because my mother was in the throes of not living. She was, my mother was dying. She finally passed away when I was 11, but she spent the last four years of her life paralyzed down the left side of her body. She had a malignant brain tumor. So those kinds of things make your life more serious. Uh, and I think, I think people can understand that. So I was their only child. And um, so I just remember being serious and kind of going about my business. And I don't know, somehow that happened. And I, I, I was becoming good and better. I, I did not win the um, Missouri Am the next year. But I do remember being the low qualifier when I was 15, I shot 69, wow. which was, that was um, an accomplishment in his own right. So, um, mm -hmm. so you grew up playing golf serious. And the other day, maybe it was last week, somebody said, get who it was. Golf is an easy game until you care. Yeah, <laughs> I say that all the time. Well, <laughs> you, it, you can't it, be it, good at golf unless you don't care. And then you get good, but you don't yeah. care. If, if you don't have moments where you hate it, um, you can never really love it. I think, I don't know. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the great, um, I have a quote somewhere. I Who do we have today, Billy? We have Eric Cole and I'm, I'm up at my home away from home in Connecticut at the Mohegan sun. And I'm taking a break from, you know, 
taking everybody's money so I could just meet this fellow and, and hear some of his stories. I've been very impressed by the way he played all year. And thank you for joining us, Eric. Looking forward to getting into it. Well, there's two things we're not going to record so that those 64,000 IRS agents don't come after you and Eric is what you won <laughs> yesterday. But what he's done this year is uh, like uh, exponentially bigger. So so yeah, would, you, would you like to play a couple of hands later, Eric? I. Uh, <laughs> From what I hear, I think I might be uh, outclassed there. So I might just stick to the talking about golf. What a year. But talk about the big P word, persistence. Yeah, no, it's been a long road to get here. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously very uh, happy with the way the years went so far. We still got the fall to play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I played a lot of mini tour golf all over the place, all over the country. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it took me a lot longer to get to the PGA Tour than I would have liked. If I was writing a script for myself, I definitely wouldn't have written it this way, but it's uh, it's kind of uh, makes it a little sweeter, you know, knowing how much uh, work I put into it to get here. So I'm I'm very happy with how the year's gone and hopefully we'll finish it off well in the fall. You never know with scripts, too. You might, you're not, might not be as good an author as as uh, the author that has fate in store for you. So, yeah, you you're here. Right. You're here and now. Yeah, I hope you're right on that one. I don't know. I think as you play better, you know, there's stuff that comes with it. Uh, you know, some more articles are written about you. There's some TV around you and stuff. But uh, most of my pressure kind of comes from uh, me personally. You know, like I'm just out there trying to hold myself to like a really high standard uh, that I think I could achieve. So, uh, you know, I, I try not to let the other stuff uh, bother me or affect me too much. But uh you know, as you play better, that's stuff that comes with good golf. And I'm certainly trying to play as good as I can. So I, I'm uh, I'm all for the extra attention and stuff that comes with it. Yeah, no, it's, it's just part of it's something that comes with playing well. So if you're not, uh, you know, you work so hard to try and be ready and try and play well, if you're not, uh, if you don't have a positive uh, opinion about the stuff that comes with it, then it's kind of like, what did you work so hard for? So that's kind of the way I, I try and think about it. My hat's off to you for, for oh, your persistence. Yeah, thank you very much. No, it's, uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, that's something people would say about me is that I'm persistent and, you know, I uh, didn't really give up much and, you know, I tried uh, as hard as I could. So those are all good things uh, to hear about yourself. And I definitely feel that way. Like, you know, I, 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 like I said, I thought I would be out there sooner and I saw a bunch of friends of mine play well and have success out there. And it's definitely uh, hard to stay positive and stuff. But with the right people around you, it makes it a little bit easier. Well, you have uh, interesting people around you. You used to caddy for Arnold Palmer's grandson, right? That's correct. Yeah. And then uh, you show up there there in uh earlier this year. Mm -hmm. It's a great storyline. I mean, that's just uh, two good people to have around you to uh, help you with your swing and learn how to play golf when I was younger and bounce ideas off now. So, um, yeah, I was always around golf when I was young and I was very lucky to have both of them playing in professional tournaments and kind of saw how cool that was and what a life, uh, you know, they were living inside the ropes and I kind of, you know, made my mind up pretty young that I think I want to try and do that. And, uh, you know, it's 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 been great to have them supporting me this this whole time and this long journey to get to where I am now. You know, I think it's just my frame. I'm smaller and I have long arms, so I kind of swing the club around me a little more. I would like to be a big, high, fading, 
uh, natural ball flight. But again, that's not really my my thing. And I think it's important not to get too far away from, you know, what the skills you have and the way you swing it, because it's easy to see those, you know, great players on tour that are capable of these unbelievable things and hitting shots that, you know, look a little unfamiliar to me. It's easy to want to want to try and do that. But um, you know, I, I, I think that's one good thing about me going, taking the, uh, longer road to the PJ tour is, you know, I didn't, once I got there, I didn't try and change too much. Like you see with some younger rookies, yeah. get on the PJ tour and let's change it <laughs> up. Yeah, it happens. So, yeah. so three quick questions. There's some debate. Is it 54 wins? Is it 90 wins? It's, I, I don't know. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I don't know what the actual, it's a lot is. though. Yeah. So there's a tour that runs down here called the minor league golf tour. Um, it's actually had a lot of great players play on it. Um, but on that tour, I think it's like, yeah, middle fifties, but I've played a lot of mini tours all over the country and in Florida. So I, I definitely have more than that, but I'm not sure exactly what the, what the, Just the but you mentioned your caddy. Tell us, tell us about your caddy. His dad uh, is Russ Cochran, uh, lefty, played the PGA Tour for a long time, plays the Champions Tour still a little bit. Um, his son, Reed, uh, caddies for me. So we met up and kind of linked up on the Corn Ferry Tour um, in 2022, 20, I guess. The beginning oh, so you of didn't know year. him from your ins and outs here? Not no. real. Well, I mean, I knew him because he caddied out there and I was, you know, friendly with him but i i didn't have a close relationship with him but i play a ton of golf with his dad and uh you know like we kind of just knew each other through that and then finally kind of paired up together and i think it's been a good run so far for both of us that's the other thing we <laughs> see three two things with billy and i we, we don't know anything but you do stop changing putters yeah stop changing caddies yeah you got stop. enough to worry about stop, stop changing orlamars yeah no the the <laughs> Most of the time, the golf it takes you to get to the, in my opinion, the golf it takes you to get to the PGA Tour, if you don't let the stage and the environment mess you up too much, is normally plenty good to have uh, some success out there. And, you know, I think it's a common thing you see is younger guys that don't necessarily know that uh, will come out and probably change a little bit too much. Well, well, your Florida swing was really good. You went to the players. I mean, tied for 27th with... Danny Willett, Ryan Fox, Wyndham Clark, Brendan Todd. I mean, a couple of those guys, you know, <laughs> major winners. Uh, Wyndham Clark is a major winner and a mm -hmm. Ryder Cupper. So what does that do for your, again, your 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 memory book? Yeah, the players specifically. The, yeah, yeah. And, and how you played so well there. That was the yeah. first time you played in the tournament Yeah, that was there. the first time there. I'd caddied there for Sam Saunders before, yep. um, but I had never played it. And I actually uh, – I made Eagle on 16 yeah. on Friday to make the cut uh, <laughs> on the number. So I was, uh, you know, I didn't really play all that well the first two days and had a decent finish there. And then I I, I did play much better uh, Saturday and Sunday. And I'm not sure what I shot, but it was kind of nice Couple to move up. Move, yeah, move up the leaderboard and, you know, in a big field like that, hit some, uh, some really good shots with, uh, you know, a lot of people watching there on 17. Some interesting holes there that, that really did a nice job. 
where's it was there that par three there that short little par three the short one yeah, yeah 15 yeah yeah that was a great little hole um i know they redid that a lot uh i never played it before but apparently there was water on the right before yeah they got rid they, of the water right now they made a big steep uh, little <laughs> chipping area that you definitely did not want to go down there not as even as good as you are yeah so it was <laughs> uh it was a lot of uh attention on that little short shot when, when you first show up on the pga tour as a rookie how, how do people, I, I assume everybody treats you differently, but is it, is it a welcoming experience or everybody's in their own head and they don't care if you're there or not? How, how does that feel? Uh, I think it's a, a mix. I mean, uh, I, I knew some of the, know some of those guys just from uh, years of golfing or they have, some of them have, you know, just been around me and down here in South Florida and stuff. Um, so, you know, I definitely have a few friends that were out there and then, you know, a lot of guys are just focused on their own stuff. It's probably not, uh, you know, the same PGA tour that my dad came out on and played, you know, in the sixties and seventies, you know, they, they were a little more uh buddy, buddy. They were playing it's for the less fraternity. Yeah, yeah. They were playing for less money. It probably more mirrors uh mini tour golf now where guys are traveling together more often. Um, like, you know, they would have on the PGA tour back then, but now, you know, a lot of guys have a team around them and, uh, you know, it's big, big business out there. So they're focused and trying to play the best they can. And, uh, you know, so it's it's a mix. There's a few guys that I know and there's, you know, a lot of guys that are, you know, doing their own thing. For the most part, everyone's really nice and put their best foot forward and play as well as they can. And I think that creates the best environment for <laughs> for fans to watch and for, you know, it to be on display is that's that's exactly what you want. Not a lot of Noonan's. Noonan. <laughs> we just did an episode. <laughs> With, uh, it's broken, I tell you. Danny Noonan's brother, uh, Billy, uh, Billy O'Keefe. So you come through these small holes. There was a really short hole at uh, L.A. Country Club. It had promise. I don't think that hole lived up to the promise and excitement. Or... Well, they played it. Then one day, I guess Saturday, they played it about like 90. 88 yards or yeah. something. So uh, it was funny on the range. Uh, you know, the caddies know where the tees are and what the yard is going to be. So I have my launch monitor and I was on the range hitting teed up 60s about teed up like a like a low driver trying to get it to stop as fast as I could and trying to get the yardage right. So that's something that I don't think I know I've never done before. And I saw some other guys trying to trying to do something special there to get it, get it, just keep it on the on the surface on that hole was was pretty so tough. Hit it out there to see if the, it hit and to see if it would stop. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to stop a short. Yeah, well, I mean, one one you don't really hit a sixty degree off a tee that often. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's just good. Uh, you know, like the USGA did a good job, like the hole locations and the way that just LACC course design. Even though those holes were really long, they were kind of set up, like I said, to 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 play it as a really long hole it wasn't like you know a really severe green along with a 300 yard shot so i thought that was really there's a certain amount of artistry in the way they set up the course i think it's not as easy as it looks for sure yeah i mean you have uh you know 156 very knowledgeable people that are going to critique it as they play it all the players we all think that we're the best course designers and course setup people of all time um just from playing so much golf we just think that we know better and i don't really think that's uh the case because they have a they have a tough job and 
you know, you hear about when they do something wrong, but you don't really hear that much when they do everything right, which is much, much more. Complex. They don't bet golf, but I'm going to make an exception the next time you're up there. I'm going to be playing you to win. So if you ever right. want to play wing foot in a practice round for the 2028 Open, you know who to talk to, Billy or me. There we go. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper. today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to Two the show. And hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified. Movie classics. Of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard. Job. And hit them off. Best 36 holes.